The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Gratitude goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. My name is Darnell. Today on Eco Radio KC, Richard Mabian and his co-host, Rich Gutowski, will discuss end-of-year eco-generation concerns with Karan Gupta. Karan comes from a background in the utility industry and a decade of experience in construction as principal at Elemental Consulting based in Kansas City, Kansas. He specializes in new buildings, retrofits, prefabrication, and community development. Eco-generation concerns, what does that mean? The prefix eco refers to ecology or to the environment. Ecology is the branch of biology that deals with the relationships of organisms to each other and to their physical surrounding. The study includes the life forms population, community or ecosystem, and bio spheres of the life. An ecosystem is the way life interacts with other life and where there is community. That is defined by a group with a common characteristic or interest living together within a large society. Our biosphere is the earth. We're constantly examining our ability to live and relate to each other in a way that can continue for generations. We look back to see how generations have come this far and we look forward with a willingness to change and develop new systems, particularly in the area of power generation. Renewable sources of electricity to power transportation, comfort levels in our homes, communication, and the extra brain power provided by computers is what can provide for our future. Eco Radio KC supports the work for a future in which human flourish as members of a thriving ecosphere. We are all in this together and it will take all of us to make the world safe for human habitation for millennia to come. We are glad to encourage awareness and protection of our world. Our goal is to ensure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable present or a sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. Now our show. Eco Elvis. On a land of a green Christmas, we're here without you. Your big old commercial racket, a high issue. My season of giving won't be spent so hypocritically cause the way you treat old mother earth at christmas 
don't seem Christ-like to me. My decorations will be reused or handmade. All of my gifts will be local and free trade. All my gift wrap will be reusable or at least recyclable, my friend. Well, a hundred percent recycled content of the only cards I'll send. Now let's not waste our time debating Santa versus Jesus. We need to focus instead on what unites, not what divides us, baby. We all just need to follow this greener golden rule which says, treat the earth and all living things as you wish to be treated. And then, and only then, baby, will we have a green, 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 green Christmas. I'll recycle my old Christmas lights and put up LEDs. When I go and look at lights, I won't be driving, I'll be hiking. I'll be eating only what I need from those earth-friendly recipes I'll be reducing, reusing, and recycling my friend at my Christmas party I'll purchase carbon offsets to offset my traveling I'll recycle my tree when the holidays are ending I'll spread peace and green will toward all living things and the earth and all have a green, 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 green Christmas Well, if we spread a peace and green will toward all living things and the earth well then we'll have a green, 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 green Christmas New Year, baby. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. This is Rich Fabian. It's nice to get you here. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, or Happy Holidays. Not everyone deals with this part of the year from, from the birth of Jesus Christ, but it is a holiday uh, season for all of us for something to celebrate. So, welcome. I got Rich, Rich on here. Rich, say something right quick. We got a couple minutes. A pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me again. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody. All right. And then Karan, Karan Gupta, would you please do your thing? Yeah, everybody. Also good to be here. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Looking forward to this conversation. These are my two people. I got lots of people, but these two are very important to me uh, uh, in the development of this 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 business concept, uh, this capital concept that we're trying to do in the low-income community, uh, and also by empowering people to become more directly responsible for their and their community's development, economic development, and and, and this is these two folks are my uh, uh, are, are two mainstays for me uh in Karan's position he's like a a master contractor uh uh, uh as far as the 
the explanation mentally of what it is that they're talking about with all the different terms and procedures and policies that's coming out of uh, D.C. as far as explaining it from a standpoint that the everyday person can uh, understand it. Rich is my, I like to call him a capitalist. Uh, he helps by bringing uh, capital concepts and perspectives to our conversations and to the table for us to be able to, again, figure out ways to be able to teach, to not so much teach, but empower individuals in the low-income communities on how to be able to take the capitalist concepts and turn it into an income-producing economic development uh, process. Uh, we're working with a, with, a, with, a, with a small business, neighborhood business, uh, and it's still in the verbal stages of development. And he's talking to him in terms of creating franchises with his business uh, locally and also across the nation to be able to help him expand his business that he's created here in Kansas City, Kansas. And when you start having those kind of conversations in the low-income communities, impoverished communities, it's a conversation that they're not used to having. And so all of a sudden that gives a new area, a concept for them to consider as far as something they can do in their in their life and their business and that's what we're doing is developing that so that we can have it as a guide and these two people that are on here now are main to me now so when we come back what we're going to do is the we're going to have uh, terry come in and define what we're talking about wanting to accomplish with the, the 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 business and the people's circumstances and then we're going to turn around and we're going to go into two phases of the show now what we've been doing in 2023 and what we're going to do in 2020 so i'm gonna let it go this is richard mabian at eco radio 90.1 fm we'll be back hi i'm janine jackson host of counterspin your weekly look behind the headlines. Counterspin couldn't exist without stations like KKFI that put community first. We're proud to air every Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. And if you miss it, you can find it at kkfi.org. That's Counterspin every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. right here on KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. We've entered our annual year-end fund drive here at KKFI, and we're looking for support from listeners like you. In case you didn't know, we are a listener-supported, non-commercial community radio station that is committed to reflecting the diversity of the local and world community. We seek to amplify voices and music that have been underrepresented by other media, and we can't do it without you. Please take a moment to support your community radio station by donating online at www.kkfi.org. Happy New Year, and thank you for listening to Kansas City Community Radio. Okay, we're back. All right, gang. So we're going to start out with, if you will, uh, Terry, read that definition you had so they can kind of give us a platform to work from, okay? Tonight on Eco Radio KC... Richard and his co-host, Rich, and their guest, Karen, are going to talk about eco-generation concerns for our future. This made me wonder, 
what in the world is an eco-generation concern? There's always new words as we discuss our concern about the environment. So what does eco-generation concerns mean exactly? Well, we know the prefix eco refers to ecology or to the environment. Ecology is the branch of biology that deals with the relations of life to each other and to their physical surroundings. That study includes the life form's population, community, or ecosystem, and biosphere of the life. An ecosystem is the way life interacts with other life, and where there is community, that's defined by a group with a common characteristic or interest in living together within a larger society. Of course, our biosphere is the earth. We're constantly examining our ability to live and relate to each other in a way that can continue for generations. We look back to see how generations have come this far, and we look forward with a willingness to change and develop new systems, particularly in the areas of power generation. Renewable sources of electricity to power transportation, comfort level in our homes, communication, and the extra brain power provided by computers is what provides for our future. Thank you. Now, the reason we wanted to, to have a platform to work from, we're talking about two separate entities. The industry, and that covers a lot of different professions, has been focused in on the business aspect of it, the coal power plants, uh, windmills, solar panels, and all the kinds of things that are designed to create this net zero we're shooting for for 2050. And, and the other aspect of it has to do with people, because a lot of what those entities uh, that are shooting for the net zero thing are doing is overlooking the fact of the need to teach people. That's what brought me into the environmental world, was to be able to utilize the skills that I had to be able to reach people so we can start getting them at the table too. So we, we're going to discuss that. Uh, Rick came on this, this evening talking in such a way that I think it'd be good for him to bring out again, dealing with it from the political or whatever it is, which one of those things you want to deal with, Rich, to kind of give it a foundation. Well, Richard, I can come at this from a lot of different angles, but you know, my bias is that, if we're going to really achieve those 2030, 2050 goals, a lot of people from very diverse backgrounds, economically, socially, culturally, are going to have to come to, come to the table and be able to work with each other. Yes. And, and, and in my, my role as a practitioner, I have brought people that own oil companies but want to save wetlands together with very committed ecologists that believe that windmills and batteries are the only way that we're going to we're going to uh, go forward in the future but those people weren't able to set their differences aside on windmills and electricity and focus on the wetlands and the jobs that they both agreed could be created by the project so you know we've got to think our our country is so divided right now right we have constantly say be tolerant of our differences let's focus on what we have in common agree to disagree on what we don't agree on and let history tell which side was right <laughs> you know 
Okay. Well, now, now I'm also in this conversation. This first part, when we take our break, is talking about the 2023 year. This is what we're currently dealing with, and we have been dealing with. I can say personally myself, since 2006, when I got it uh, introduced to David Corden's book, The Great Turning. That's when it came out. So that's what we've been started with in this industry, and that's what we're still doing in the the work that's going on every day in 2023. Karen, give me could bring something from your perspective to this. Uh, I'm going to kind of ramble here for a second, and I, maybe it answers part or all of your question. But, you yeah. know, we open up the conversation by defining ecology. And, you know, natural ecosystems, one of the things that's so different about natural ecosystems in the kind of manufactured world is that there's no waste. You know, every process feeds another process, and there's no waste anywhere. Um, and part of what we need to be looking at is how to define our industries in such a way to act more like natural ecosystems. And there's a phrase, industrial ecosystem. And I'm hoping during this next uh, 30 minutes or so to talk a little bit more about some of the work um, I'm hoping to do around that, which basically ties together materials manufacturing with prefabricated construction, uh, the workforce development that is associated with all of that, and neighborhood development, uh, you know, kind of a shift from petrochemical-based building products to plant-based building products uh, and recapturing all of the various waste streams and byproducts and reincorporating them back into that industrial ecosystem to produce more value uh, for the people that depend on those systems while also minimizing the environmental impact. Wow. I didn't have to. That was that was beautiful, man. Uh, very much so. And, and when um, Terry was reading that definition, the first time she read it to us, she used the term green. The green this or whatever. And green is probably one of the most negative words that can be used in discussions with groups that we're trying to find harmony with. That one particular side of the equation hate the word green. They think it is a, a, a communist plot. Okay, so when you have people, good people, coming to the table with hangups about the words being used, that has been a drawback for a person like me that's doing the work that I'm doing. That's and when you just said when both of y'all just said what you said, all three of you, that wasn't even a factor about green. I, I love that, Rich. Um, when your your comment about people being able to come together and work through their differences. I mean, it has to be done. Just can't we can't eat just taking what you got and going with it and thinking this is going to work because of the position that you maintain. Uh, I'm not going to get into the weeds. I've made up my mind and I'm not going to do this in this call. We'd be there forever. And we'll continue. We'll talk about the next year as we move forward. Karan, when you mentioned the thing about the prefabricated kind of equipment that can be used, that is a that, that's I got exposed to that from you all, from you and uh, Bill Smart. And, and it makes so much sense that the building that we're doing to be looking for material that also will cause things to be energy efficient. If you, you can't keep having these air holes in and out of your houses for whatever reason. And expect to be able to curve your utility costs. That's what it's all about. I went to a meeting at a cap agency uh, this past week. 
and I was livid. We had five, six people that died last week from carbon monoxide, from running generators in their houses because their utility had been cut off. Now, I'm not, I understand people needing to pay their bills. I understand utility companies needing to have a way of trying to justify not getting paid. But what I don't understand, what I what really bothers me is I haven't heard one person, one person in this metropolitan area that talked about the fact that one of those people who got killed was a 14-year-old boy. See, we can't we can't live like that. I'm sorry. We have to be able to come together as people and figure out what can we do? What can we do to make a difference? I mean, we out here giving out food almost on almost every corner in the city that people need to eat. With Christmas, we giving out presents and prizes and things all over the city, every place that they can do it. We making people feel good, blah, da 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 But we can't blame nobody else. That's us. This is, we, we, this is our city. Had a 14-year-old boy die of carbon monoxide because his, his home, they couldn't afford to pay the utility bill. Anyone of you want to say something about that? I know I'm being on my soapbox, but this is Christmas. And uh, I think that it's a shame that we don't have a mechanism to save. Like I said, we give it away food. I mean, we we doing that stuff. But we got to figure out a way to be able to deal with that, too. Anybody got something to say? People are living in homes that have broken windows and poor or no insulation some have holes in the floor, the cold air comes in, they crank up their furnace, their furnace is blasting, their heat bill is high, and they're not warm. Yes. So I think our goals for this new year is that everyone has a retrofitted home where they are safe from the extremes of our climate and good. Karen, Rich, would you like to add anything to that? We have just two more minutes. That that, that yeah. home is retrofitted by a company owned by a local person, not someone from, no offense, from Johnson County. We had enough of that over the last 60 years of the war on poverty. Time to try a new thing. Yeah, to add to that, you know, this retrofit challenge is a big one. The number of homes needing retrofitting and the amount of work that it's going to take to achieve that is massive. And I think a common topic of this program is environmental education. And the workforce we're going to need to do the, the level of retrofits that's needed, not just to meet our carbon goals, but also to keep people safe and healthy. I mean, we are decades behind the ball on training up that workforce. So that's got to be our number one priority if we're going to actually make a dent in this. That's, that's perfect. But like I said, y'all y'all being perfect. I can't believe that, man. It's, you're scaring me. I uh, want to say one, one mean thing, Richard. Uh, one controversial thing. Yes, sir. Hey, Karen, how many homes do you think that we could retrofit with the $112 billion we sent to the Ukraine? You, you don't even want to go there. Just leave that alone. 
Yeah, it's time to take a break. I ain't even going to go there on that. That's getting get too political. I'm not going there with that. Oh, well, this is Richard Mabian <laughs> at KKF5. And uh, Merry Christmas to everyone and Happy Holiday. And we will be back. Tune in to Economics for the People every fourth Thursday at 7 p.m. It's a show about people and communities, economics, life and livelihoods, about diverse voices and economic experiences. Join us on a collective journey to shape and reimagine an economy that prioritizes people over profit. Economics for the People every fourth Thursday at 7 p.m. Did you miss your favorite show on KKFI this week? Check out our two-week archive. You can find it by searching online with the keywords KKFI Archive or direct your browser to archive.kkfi.org. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazowitz, and this is Climate Connections. A Christmas tree may be decorated with ornaments and lights for just a few weeks but its useful life does not need to end when January arrives. In New Orleans and other coastal areas, some brown, dried-out Christmas trees are given a new purpose as part of wetland restoration projects. It's just a good overall thing to do with those trees once people are finished with the Christmas season. Arthur Johnson is with the Center for Sustainable Engagement and Development, a nonprofit in the Lower Ninth Ward. Last year, the group partnered with other community organizations to collect about 200 trees from residents. We were pleasantly surprised about how many trees we got in locally, how many people were excited to participate. The trees were placed in the bayou that borders the Lower Ninth Ward. It's an area threatened by land loss, flooding, and intensifying storms. The trees create a barrier to protect marsh grasses planted along the shore, and the tangled branches capture sediment which helps slow erosion. Johnson says the groups are collecting trees again this year, and he hopes to see the project grow. It's fun, it's exciting, but it also means that the community is interested in its environmental well-being. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To learn more about climate change, visit climateconnections.org. All right, this is Richard. Coming back again, I want to immediately start off and say to Richard, I was not cutting him off because uh, I, I, I couldn't agree with what he was saying. I just figured that when we talk about, like you even brought up, about finding harmony to be able to come to the table and have the conversation, I'd rather come to the table from a from a positive perspective instead of a negative one. And even though the negative one it is deserving of being discussed. Now, I hope I said that in such a way that everyone understood it. For instance, this part of our show is going to talk about what can we do. Okay, thank you. Okay, so here we go. On that thing that Rich was talking about, the money that's being spent for various reasons throughout this country politically, the, the 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 current administration, and I'm not a Democrat. I'm a, I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent. I like. I think that I don't know how poor people will ever pick any one of those parties. I think that you should vote for the people that are benefiting you as a individual. And this year, this time around, Biden came up with a plan, and it's called the Justice Party Plan. And I'm amazed at how few people know anything about it. So I'm going to use the rest of this show talking about Justice Party. 
uh, to the listening audience we got on here. If nothing else, it'll be part of the podcast. And uh, if I want to tell somebody about it, I can send the podcast. 40% of the money that the Biden administration passed for infrastructure, and it's up into 300 billions of dollars, just unbelievable amount of money, has been ordered to be paid, to be spent in disadvantaged neighborhoods only. So we have the money. For, so I say it's God sent for you people who, like me, believe in God. To finally provide folks like myself who has been who have been working in low income communities for dang near nothing to benefit people with the amount of money that's needed to get those homes retrofitted, to get those situations made like Koran was saying, so that people can live there without, like I said, holes and cracks and stuff all around. Finally, that exists. So let's go from that. Let's take that as the conversation as far as how do we see approaching that pile of money as a collaborative unit to be able to benefit the folks who live in the low-income communities. That is what I see that we need to be able to address in 2024. And each time we have a, a I'm on this, this program, I'm going to be addressing Justice 40. Now, if you don't know nothing about it, look it up. And it's gonna, you're going to be amazed that this exists and you don't hear nobody talking about it. We could be getting those retrofitting jobs done in our low-income community, teaching low-income people skills. Now, the one thing Rick meant was about the system is trying to bring contractors from the suburbs into the city to do the job, get paid, go back to the suburbs, and spend the money they made doing the work in the city. I'm not opposed to that. They have a right to do that. That's not that that I'm not there. What we need to be doing is creating a similar kind of a program for the people who live in the inner city, giving them the skills to be able to create businesses that are doing that to all of these homes. The the, the statistic came out that there's 124 million homes in America that need to be retrofitted. When you talk to people, they will say stuff like uh, 85 to 90% of them homes are in the inner city. So it makes sense to me that we can finally now find a group of people. Just come down. You see, I got these two on here. I wouldn't do this without them being involved to be able to show and tell people how to be able to create this into the income producer that it can become. And you will all this land bank property, all these houses that are all boarded up could be guts, could have people literally walking across the street and working on them daily. That to me, would eliminate them going in these daggum stores and crashing down the, the display cases and stealing stuff. So again, I'll, I'll come to you all. Let me get off my soapbox and say, 
This is a one-time life opportunity. So what do you two think about that? I got a lot to say. Karen, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, again, you know, I, I guess it all comes back to the workforce development. And speaking of training folks up within the cities rather than bringing them from the suburbs, even if we brought them in from the suburbs, <laughs> the suburbs don't have enough of a labor pool to be able to service the need. Right. Um, the nice thing here is there's a uh, there's a great opportunity. You know, if we depend on the existing labor force, even amongst them, there's a lot of lack of understanding of the techniques that need to be employed. So when we're training young folks from scratch, we can actually be kind of scrapping a lot of the bad habits from the past and leapfrogging the technology and the techniques and teaching them the best building science based on what we've learned to date. Um, in addition to teaching them those uh, the science behind it, we could also be equipping them with modern tools not just in a sense of hand tools, but a sense of uh, diagnostics. Um, you know, there's a big push on this augmented reality. You got your like Google Glass, Meta headsets and things like that. And these are things that I think are going to make this work more appealing to young people because the fact is when, uh, you know, you can work, uh, you know, for one of these kind of DoorDash companies or Amazon and make your own schedule and get paid an hourly rate, um, versus kind of going into these homes where in a lot of cases you have health hazards in the form of uh, mold, and, uh, you know, toxic building products, uh, and the amount of labor that's required to do that work, it's not particularly appealing to young folks. So we got to figure out how to make this more appealing to them, how to make it economically feasible for them. Uh, and, and it's a big pool of money you're talking about, but, you know, that's got to be workforce development. It's got to be the materials that are going to go into these retrofits which are not cheap either but i think there is a way to do it that can be self-sustaining you know basically we have to take this money and use it as a seed to plant something that can then sustain itself rather than having to continue to depend on uh federal um budget expenditure yes yes you're well, right I mean, that's a great that's a great segue yes. to what i wanted to say which was for the last 60 years, you know, the war on poverty has really focused on workforce development. And it's true, you know, people need to learn skills and people need to learn how to work. It's not innate to us to know how to work. But my bias is that we haven't talked enough about workplace development. And this is where Gary Wilson's father, you know, had a gem when he said every urban business should be a school, not just to teach people the skills of work, but how to work, yes. the culture of work, but also the culture of how to own and run a business. You don't have to go to Harvard Business School to run a plumbing company, right? Uh, those local entrepreneurs are, are that skill is often caught more than it's taught. And our young boys and girls aren't going to sit in a classroom and learn how to run a business. They're going to go work for Gary Wilson delivering pizza and Gary's going to share with the motivated how you run the business. And what they're going to realize is it, it's not, doesn't take a rocket scientist. What it takes is discipline and grit and stick to and common sense. And those things can be caught. So the way we make this sustainable is when that Justice 40 money comes in, we create companies owned by 
people in the community, perhaps partnered with subject matter experts from Johnson County as perhaps an extension of their philanthropy, where, where the value, that business is not just the value of retrofitting homes, the other half of the value of that business is teaching people how to work and run and own their own business. And we can build horizontal wealth if Gary Wilson invests in that delivery person, then owning a franchise on the other side of town. We see, can grow that wealth horizontally. See, see Gary, I, I want you to understand the two people I'm on here with and why they're so valuable to me. Um, you know, it's, it's not a joke for us. It's real serious for us. And we didn't get here just overnight. Uh, in fact, in my case, I've created what's called a 50-year pathway out of poverty. You know, this is an intergenerational thing. And what we want to be able to do is to start this process rolling, moving, so that we have Uncle Bob, uh, who gets turned on to the retrofitting and is excited about going to work and, 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 and is making money and coming home in the evening and sitting at the kitchen table with Mama and talking about, boy, I didn't know you could put plastic over the front of them daggum fireplaces, man, and cut your utility costs. And they say, what are you talking about? Well, that's what we just learned in this building we was in today. Until we get it fixed like it's supposed to be, we put plastic over the front of it there in the living room and the bedrooms because them old houses got them dead gum almost in every room. And as soon as you got the plastic over there, it puffed out, showing that it was blocking air. See, now we're spreading a, a concept that's not a classroom it's coming from in the kitchen with Uncle Bob talking to Mama, Grandma. For those of you who don't understand what Mama is in the inner city. And by doing that, now we're teaching a future generation who is in the back room looking at TV or playing with the electronics about things that can do to save you money. So when they get in elementary school and the teachers talking about climate change now they can identify oh that's what uncle bob was talking about we the three of us sitting here in this on this program have put our various backgrounds together and have created a way with others it's not just us three because we got to have a lot of disciplines involved to be able to create that kind of an empowerment approach to our low-income communities you can find ways not to sell them guns. You can find ways to give them free food for lunch. You can find ways to spend money, spend money, spend money. Or you can work with us. People can work with us to be able to find ways to create income. Create income. Did you know our kids go to school from K through 12, and I can't tell you a course that is teaching them about creating an income. Most of the education they got is about going to work for somebody. But we're talking about being able to think and say, wow, I could put this over here and that over there and be able to create an income that I can be. Talk about my Latino communities. I have learned so much from them up on Central Avenue in Kansas City, Kansas. I mean, you know, they make they, they that guy had a little push cart selling selling whatever they are, 
uh, little enchiladas, and he would do it every lunch with wooden push cart. And everybody loved him. Now, he might have a neighborhood store now. Excuse me, Terry. He may have a neighborhood store now where he was able to work him up for business with what he was making, and he went from that to the next step. And those are the kind of things that we want to see going on. And uh, I want to see it going on on Quindaro. I think certainly that our adults have a strong work ethic, and they demonstrate that for youth who there's an absence of jobs in the traditional way because the population is growing. So that's one of the beauties of the green new future is that there are new materials and new techniques that young people can get training and skills to learn how to use and apply to make everyone better off. That's the, the, this is a whole new thing. Which Hold is good, mm-hmm. right? And it bring and it's bringing about a little independence. And, and, and I'm sorry, folks, uh, because of the negativity of racial problems uh, and the multitude of things that's going on out here in the world of work, we have people with attitudes on both sides of the equation. And I mean, I mean, and, and it's just no peace being found in these in these jobs. You got interpersonal relationships that are interfering with the growth that we need in our communities. So, so, so we need to be able to find ways to giving people a chance to feel good about themselves and the accomplishments they're able to make. Okay, gang, we got like four minutes left, so I'm going to let you speak because I could, you know me, I can run my mouth forever. Go ahead. Well, well Corinne, let me let me jump in first. Because sure. Drill Sergeant Mabion, Mr. Mabion, he often doesn't talk a lot about himself, but he had an amazing year. For a man from the neighborhood, he found himself at the highest circles of power in this country because he had the fortitude to speak the truth to power but in a positive way. But what's more important is he talks about educating people, but he doesn't talk about the fact that he owned and ran a business, janitorial, you know, building services business, nothing glamorous about those jobs. But because he treated his employees with respect and with dignity and, and ran the business as a family, it wasn't run to maximize the profit and make the Mabion family wealthy and buy a bigger house and go on a better vacation. He paid three times minimum wage. And he had people that probably, many of whom wouldn't be able to get jobs out in Johnson County. He employed them and, and they were a motivated workforce that did excellent work and were sought after. So when I say workforce development, the reason I was drawn to Richard was because he didn't talk about this from an academic perspective. He went out and did it. And listen, I love Richard and he's a smart man, but there's a lot of people out in this audience listening that are smarter. And if you want to do what he did and you really want to change your community, it's not going and doing some, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep positive. Nonprofits are good. But we need more business owners and you can do more social impact through your business than you can often do through your church or through your nonprofit or your other organization. 
Okay, Graham. Um, I really appreciate Rich's comments about workplace development, and I think there's going to have to be some level of central planning on what those workplaces need to be. We talked about not wanting to bring in workforce from outside of the neighborhood. So similarly, as we have a local workforce, and then we have to apply materials to do this kind of retrofit work, you know, the materials are a great starting point as another workplace that should be developed locally, and we could be producing and procuring those materials locally rather than bring them from out of uh, state or out of the city. And those materials themselves, going back to the industrial ecology bit, have the potential to be plant-based so that not only are we addressing the operational carbon of the buildings, but now we're starting to address the embodied carbon. And we can actually start to produce materials that sequester carbon and lock them up in these newly retrofitted, healthier, safer, more energy efficient buildings. And as we build out the supply chain, you know, we again have the opportunity to do it in a more sustainable way, a more profitable way. So there's a huge opportunity here. And I'd love to come back on the show again sometime to talk more about what that industrial ecosystem could look like. But thank you all for your time. You really don't have a choice, buddy. I would, I need no way in the world you can disappear. I'm going to cut out of here. I'm down to my minute here, but I want to say, first, Karan, it's not about the people from the county not being able to participate. We want that because we got to have examples of, uh, of work being done by all. I just don't want to leave out a group. You hear what I'm saying? We want to make sure we're getting it all. We want to be just like the guy pushing the cart up there on Central Avenue. We want that going on because that is also a way to be able to build business and have a mental working attitude about an income. Uh, Okay, gang, I'm going to shut this down. We'll be back on. I don't know when I'm back. I think I got Martin Luther King's day. Isn't that a great day to be back on? But, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have a show then, too. Have a good weekend. I mean, we holiday, New Year's Eve, and all that good stuff. Uh, and if you need us, just look up KKFI 90.1 FM. Thank you. Good night. Hi, this is Mark Manning. For local and new releases and a mix of all genre, for interviews with artists, musicians, and writers, for freeform radio that plays with themes, questions, and events, tune in to Wednesday Midday Medley, Wednesdays from 10 to noon, right here on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Play KKFI. That's all you have to tell your smart speaker to get the news, views, and music you love. My name is Darnell. At the end of our hour, here's some environmental news for the week of December 25th, 2023. Democracy Now! reports. The Biden administration has approved two more permits for the Mountain Valley Pipeline, which would carry 2 billion cubic feet of fracked gas through Virginia and West Virginia. Bolivia has the largest untapped lithium deposits in the world, drawing interest from foreign powers. But many have opposed lithium exploitation over fears it could lead to the displacement and impoverishment of indigenous communities in the Andes. Environmentalists have warned that lithium extraction places massive demands on freshwater supplies. 
the Environmental Protection Agency has launched a formal safety review of various chemicals, including vinyl fluoride, one of the substances released into the air in East Palestine, Ohio, after a Norfolk Southern train derailed and triggered a massive fire in February 2023. Vinyl chloride has been linked to heightened cancer risk. It can be found in commonly used plastic products and in polyvinyl chloride plastic or PVC. Following the train crash, residents reported respiratory and other health problems. The incident brought scrutiny to bomb trains that transport crude oil and other dangerous chemicals through communities across the U.S. The EPA review will take at least three years. Inside Climate News reports, the proposed Saguaro Connector Pipeline in Texas would transport natural gas from the Permian Basin to the U.S.-Mexico border, then connect to another proposed pipeline in Mexico to transport gas to a proposed facility that would liquefy it for export to Asia and South America in tanker ships. Texas residents worry that there is not the emergency management capacity to respond to explosions or leaks along the pipeline. They question why they should sacrifice their land for a pipeline exporting gas abroad. Environmental advocacy groups, including Sierra Club, warn that the project is advancing with limited federal oversight and goes against the Biden administration's stated climate goals of phasing out fossil fuels. Opponents of wind energy development have argued that projects lead to a decrease in property values. A new paper published in journal Energy Policy finds that properties within a mile of a proposed wind farm experience an average decrease in value of 11% following the announcement of the project compared to properties located three to five miles away. A decrease in property value begins after the wind farm is announced and continues during constructions, but the difference fades away a few years after the project is operational to the point that properties within a mile of a project have values that are indistinguishable from those three to five miles from a project. The Kansas Reflector Reports Kansas Geological Survey has recently assessed the health of the High Plains Aquifer, which contains the Ogallala. It found that pumping cuts of 18 to 32 percent could sustain the vital water source for at least another decade. The report states that the aquifer is the primary source of water for western Kansas and economically is the most important groundwater resource in the state. Anthropocene Newsletter reports solar panels, which absorb light and turns it into electricity using photovoltaic materials, are conventionally well-known technologies to harvest the sun's energy. The concept behind the new solar towers 
system is very different. It relies on the fact that hot air rises. Solar updraft towers are typically made from glass or other greenhouse gas materials that trap heat. The air is heated at ground level and as it rises up the tower, it spins a turbine to produce electricity. It produces more electricity than solar panels, but the idea remains experimental. Cost of building the large glass towers remain prohibitive for mainstream use. EcoWatch reports, demand for cold is predicted to decline beginning in 2026, according to the most recent coal market report from the International Energy Agency, which said it is the first time the annual report has projected a drop. The National Park Service recently announced that in 2024, visitors to Yosemite National Park in California will need to reserve their entry for all summer visits to aid with congestion. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Please tune in again next week or listen to our podcast at any time. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Eco Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Lugo, Terry Wilking, Brent Rysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Midcoast Media Project. You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on Eco Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org. This is Richard Mabian, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next is Fiesta Musicale, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music is Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? Ooh.